Hi, everyone. Welcome to MANA Ministry. Thank you for joining us for another episode. We are excited, as we say every week, to have another episode regarding our current series, which is Truth Prescriptions. We're wanting to know what is the truth when it comes to mental health. My name is Christelle Olasaran. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. And joining along with me is Dr. Katie Elson. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. Yes. So thank you for joining us. We do, want, we do want to remind you briefly of our disclaimer. The intent of this series is not to provide mental health treatment and diagnosis, but instead our purpose truly is to utilize the Bible as a spiritual guide when it comes to understanding further about our mental health. And so we do ask that if you have any questions, please seek advice from a mental health professional or any other qualified health provider. Yes, and we always like to remind you as well, if you are in crisis or having emergency to reach out to your doctor, 911, as well as there's a national suicide hotline number here on the screen um, to talk to a skilled trained counselor. And then if you're outside of the country, which we know we have some viewers, um, always call your local emergency line immediately. We want to make sure that you're, you're safe and getting the help that you need. Yes. So our title for today's episode is Biblical Case Study, Pornography Addiction. And so we have had a previous biblical case study in regards to depression. And today we're going to do a biblical case study in regards to pornography addiction. You may be wondering, pornography addiction in the Bible? Really? Well, we're going to learn a lot today. Yes. And I'll just add on to that to say it's going to encompass more kind of sexual addiction, sexual temptation, how to prevent, how to um, know the, the tools and skills and steps to take. Um, so it's going to be a little bit more broad in general, um, but we hope that it's practical um, and that we can learn from our mental health treatment manual, the Bible. So Chriselle, we're going to be looking at two main stories. There's a lot of different people within the Bible. Um, but before we jump into looking at these two individuals, why are we choosing to do these biblical case studies? We're choosing to do these biblical case studies because they talk about temptation. And oftentimes we don't realize that addiction is connected to temptation. Temptation is, is connected to addiction. And we're wanting to also recognize through these biblical stories how can we overcome temptation? How can we overcome addictions? What does the Bible have to say in regards to those steps that lead up to addiction? Yes, and I'll just add to that quickly. Um, the Bible was written for us. It was written to help us that we can learn from others, both in the what we should not do. We'll have one case study on that and what we should do, what we can do. And so the Bible is written for our admonition, for our help. And are we listening, right? There are many mental health truth prescriptions in the word. But before we do, we just want to quickly review last week's truth prescription or last episode, I should say. Um, as a reminder, because we always want to make sure that it's not just information, but application. And so last episode, we did part two on the fiction of addiction. And so we talked about how now that you've recognized, right, and identified your addictions, we want you to be able to identify your pattern, right? We talked about the before, during, and after. Um, and then what are the steps that you're going to take to overcome? And I really appreciated the, um, the conclusion of last episode, which emphasized two stories, both the particle son and Adam and Eve. And we saw how they had the before, during, after, and because of the differences of how they um, reacted or how they responded or how they overcame, right, um, determined a different outcome. So we hope that you started to take steps, but maybe you're struggling with those steps. And today's episode is really for you, right? How can I take additional steps um, to be able to overcome? So, Chriselle, without further ado, um, let's let's jump right in. Yeah, let, let's go ahead and do that. And so what we're going to do, remember, there's two stories that we're going to be going into. 
And then we're going to parallel them and understand the differences between both in regards to sexual addiction, pornography addiction. So why don't we go ahead and begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll dive in into reading the Bible. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear God in heaven, thank you, Lord, so much for your word, your word where truth is found. It's so hard to find the truth, especially in the, the society that we live in today, the lives that we're living. It's hard to know really what is the truth. And so we, we do ask for your guidance today and just to reveal to us the ways that we can change, the ways that we can grow and convict us, Lord, because we know that all of us struggle in this life. It's not an easy life, but we have victory when you are on our side and with us, Lord. Thank you for all that you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so with our Bibles out, let's turn to our first story, which is found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Maybe you've already guessed which story we're turning to. If not, let's figure this out. So we're not going to really go in and read all these verses, right, Katie? Yes. Some verses we will highlight for the purpose of emphasizing them because there's some significance in particular parts of these of these passages that we want to hone into but katie can you give us a, just a brief um summary of what's going on in chapter 11 yeah so second samuel chapter 11 um talks about king david and king david is a person that's very close with god i think that's important to recognize and yet he has this big i was gonna say oopsie <laughs> He has this, this kind of fall, this mess up, this mistake of he's all alone. He sees a woman bathing on her roof, asks for her, knows she's married, still decides to have sex with her. And then there's many consequences that fall after that. But he could not say, it's hard for him to say no, right? He fell into temptation. Uh, he fell into the addiction of of the sexual addiction mm -hmm. so as katie as you're saying that i think it's very clear to understand that we will be investigating and exploring this story in regards to what not to do when it comes to sexual addiction right we want to clarify that and you may be thinking temptation and addiction well if you think about it for a moment there is a sequence there's a process right you don't fall all of a sudden into an addiction we talked about that in our previous episode there's a sequence to this. And so we're recognizing that there's temptation that can lead up to an addiction, right, Katie? Exactly. Okay. So I think the first point, thank you for the summary, by the way, but the first point we want to hone in is how did he even fall into temptation in the first place? So where do we see that? What part of this passage? Well, so, and just to clarify, um, in so we are using the word temptation, but from like a psycho psychological perspective, we're asking what are my vulnerability factors, right? Mm -hmm. So temptation, what, what makes me um, more, more inclined to or uh, more vulnerable or more at risk, right? To risk fall, factors, yeah. it's what are the risk factors? What are the vulnerability factors? Now I'm just going to quickly read verse one of chapter 11. Now it came to pass in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. This is very important. At the time when kings go out to battle, that David, who is a king, sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But here's a key phrase, but David remained at Jerusalem. There's two main phrases there. All the kings go out to battle. David is a king, but, but David does not go. David remains at Jerusalem. The, the, the Bible is setting up the story here by saying, this is what typically happens. David doesn't do it. Therefore, what are the consequences? Everything, what's going to follow after this? So the vulnerability factor for David so far, the first one is he remains home and does not fulfill his purpose and calling and duty as a king. Okay. Now, a second point to recognize is in verse two, where it says, then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed 
and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So in this particular verse, we have an additional vulnerability factor, which is that he was remaining idle. What does that mean, Katie, to remain, to remain idle? I mean, not being occupied, not being um, you know, productive. I think specifically for him, um, the idleness is it's evening time, right? Which oftentimes idleness comes about when we're working and productive. People are often not engaging in any sort of addictions when we're productive and, and engaged in life, right? But it's evening time. And looks like you couldn't sleep. So maybe even insomnia might be um, uh, a vulnerability factor, especially because our brain is not able to think as clearly. It's in a fog. Um, and then he's just kind of walking, being idle, kind of looking around. And remember, the idleness is because he's not fulfilling his calling. Verse one, right? Mm -hmm. If he had been gone to battle, this would have never happened. That's true. So there are technically already three and possibly more vulnerability factors that we see here when it comes to David falling into temptation, right? Yes. Now, the next verses continue on by adding on more vulnerability factors. And so if we see starting in verse three, going forward, all of a sudden, David is struggling with stopping that downward spiral into falling into that temptation. Mm -hmm. So what is this downward spiral? Is it a matter of just standing there and waiting for Bathsheba to come? Or is it that he's not resisting the temptation? Yeah, you know, what's interesting here, Chriselle, is you're highlighting that there's a, a pivoting point, right? A, mm -hmm. a monumental decision right now. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to recognize. So if you're struggling with sexual temptation or any temptation or addiction, temptation is not sin. Just the fact that she was there and he saw her was not yet sin. It was not yet a relapse if you're struggling with addiction. It's what you do with that next. Because he could have seen her, right? He could have been vulnerable, but he could have chosen one, no, because I'm married, He's already, we didn't mention that, but he's married already to, right? Or maybe we should just stop there at one. He's married, period. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So here is a pivotal moment in his life where he could have just saw and stopped and said, no, but instead he inquired the moment that he's just a little bit, as we talked about last episode, or you know, let me just watch pornography for a little bit. Or if I just start with, I know sometimes you say, oh, let me just start with some sort of um, self-pleasure of like, mm -hmm. you know, um, maybe I'm not going to masturbate, but, but maybe I'm going to touch myself, right? But it starts small and it starts gradually increasing its severity. Yes. And so I would just like to add on to what you said, Katie, just for a moment of reflection of going back to that triangle that we've brought, we've brought up in several different episodes, that triangle with the different components, thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. And so as you were saying, Katie, there are elements of thoughts that go on when there's a temptation. There's a, there are an element of emotions that occur. But what are you doing behavioral-wise to either engage in that temptation or to resist it? And so if you see here in verse 3, simply it says, so David sent and inquired an action, Right? He followed through upon beholding that she was beautiful. I'm sure he was like, wow, she's beautiful. There was an emotion, but he followed through with a behavior. Verse four, then he sent messengers. Once again, another action, another behavior. And then what's the result? She conceived. So even before that, Griselle, he sent. So we do see these steps, right? He could have said no because he's married, but he didn't. Then he sends messengers and it says they respond by saying she's married. He could have stopped there because it's just information. So what happens again, if you're struggling with addiction, there's so many opportunities to stop, to stop. 
And one of the biggest um, lies of, of addiction is once you start, oh, well, throw in the towel. I'm, I've already, you know, I already fell. I already relapsed. What's the point? And then you drink more or you watch more or whatever it may be. But you always have a choice to stop it, to stop it. He doesn't stop it when he knows he's married. doesn't stop it when he knows she's married. And he continues, like you mentioned, Chriselle, he sent more messengers. Then she, then she came. Even that point, he could have said no. She's there in front of him, but it becomes harder later on. Yes. And in all fairness to those who struggle with addiction, someone may be thinking, well, it's not that choice. Like I just go from point A to point Z and all of a sudden I'm at Z. Well, the thing is, it's important to become aware of your vulnerability factors. Be aware of probably just things that become habits. Because sometimes it's just become so second nature that you go boom, 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 boom. Next thing you know, she conceives. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's important to slow down and become aware and mindful of that sequence that builds up because there is choice. I love that, Crystal, because if... You, and you can see this in our society. Our society has ramped up. The speed of life continues to ramp up to a point where we are all just reacting on impulses. We're no longer taking time to pause, pause with our anxiety, pause with our um, addictions, right? If we were to just be more mindful and aware, oh, I realized I didn't go with my army and I'm vulnerable, right? I'm alone. It's evening time. I got to really protect myself um, and so forth. So what happens next, Chriselle, in this story? So not only does she conceive, but the moment that we, we, not the moment, but as time progresses, it gets substance. What it does is we seek out the pleasure, but then the consequences, and it gets worse and worse and worse as time goes on. Yes. And what I like about this story is it demonstrates the reality of addiction is that the consequences aren't just for yourself. They go and they, they spill out. There's a ripple effect into those that you love. And so in this particular story, we recognize that, that David and Bathsheba, they conceive, but David's trying to cover up what's going on. He knows something that he's done is wrong. And so he tries to cover it up by attempting to murder Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite. And it, I mean, we don't want to go too into it, but if you parallel Uriah and his behaviors compared to David's behaviors, there is a, a drastic difference in how they are as men. Just putting that there, right? And Chriselle, before and you so, continue, um, one thing that's important to recognize is this is the cycle of addiction. Once we do the substance or the addiction, the behavioral addiction, we try to cover it up. The same way we talked about Adam and Eve, they fell. And then what did they try to do? They try to cover themselves. So that's the natural cycle of the addiction. The The consequences come and then we try out of shame, out of guilt. And this is not to be hard on people who are struggling with addiction. It's to recognize it's a natural cycle of addiction. The Bible is mentioning it so that we can prevent it from happening, right? Exactly. So if you do um, have a relapse or you do fall into addiction, it's important to resist the urge even to try to self-medicate or try to, um, to take care of the circumstances yourself instead of turning mm-hmm. to God. Because what happened is he ended up murdering Uriah, and that yeah. was even worse, right? So, Crystal, you can continue. And, and we can't forget. Go ahead. We can't forget the ultimate consequence, which is that this child itself did not come to live. Mm-hmm. And and we're not here to say that God did that, etc. That's not the point of what we're 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 here for. But we're recognizing that there were multiple consequences, and they were beyond David. And so this is another point, as we're talking about how it got worse and worse and worse, he could have stopped, it doesn't. Um, lust is like fire. So same thing that we talked about in the previous two episodes, that addiction is not really fulfilling, right? It makes us go back for more and more. We talked about dopamine and how 
it dips below baseline. And so we want to constantly chase the high. Lust is not like hunger, you know, hunger where you eat and you're filled and satisfied. It's like a fire where you feed it and it grows. We see that with David. David wanted more. One woman wasn't enough. If one woman was enough, a thousand won't be either. One hour of pornography won't be enough. And so it's constantly not enough. And so we constantly turn to it for more and more and more. But, and you know, later on in 2 Samuel chapter 12, it says um, the prophet is talking to David and he says, you know, I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. If it had been too little, I also would have given you much more. He's basically saying, God is saying, I've given you so much and yet it's not enough. Right. And Katie, you know, I really like that, that last part because it opens your awareness to the reality that addiction doesn't allow you to Chris, you're cutting up. Live a fruitful life. There's so much. Okay, where did I stop? <laughs> um, Am I still cutting up? To, to live a fruitful life. Yes, and so God wants to bless you. God wants to give you a fruitful life. But addiction and falling into addiction is like bringing a cloud, a dark cloud over your life and not allowing the blessings to flow through. And so sometimes we wonder, why is my life the certain way that it is? Well, their addictions are clouding your life. Yeah. And God wants to give you more. Mm -hmm. So let's summarize really quickly. You know, David is vulnerable because... He neglects to fulfill his calling and his duty, right? Mm -hmm. um, he's also vulnerable because he's idle at home, right? He's not sleeping. It's evening time. He's all alone. Um, and then temptation is not a sin. So just because he was tempted doesn't mean it was a sin. doesn't mean that, you know, he had a relapse. He had a choice at that time. You always have a choice. But being mindful, as he said, Chrisana, where to pause and say, okay, Instead of reacting on the impulse, I want her, or I, you know, I just want to watch something, or I just want to do something, pausing, is this what's best for me? And then we see that he doesn't do that, and he continues, and then sin or addiction is a nasty and rapid downward spiral to destruction. It just got worse and worse, not only adultery towards his wife, but to her husband, and then he murders his husband. And addiction, lust is a fire that never satisfying, but grows and grows and grows with worse consequences. And Katie, if I could just add one thing to that is in the process of slowing down, acceptance is required. And by acceptance, I mean, acknowledge that that is something you struggle with. But if you keep telling yourself, no, 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 no. The more you try to avoid it, the more it becomes harder for you to overcome it. So Accept that that is your temptation. And then from there, the avenue of what to do about it begins to open. But if you continue to have avoidance, that door becomes very difficult to open. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned it before, Fisal, just the, the quick compare and contrast between David and Uriah, which is Bathsheba's husband. I just want to quickly highlight a couple of things. Um, so David invites him over before he decides to murder him. And tries to have him go sleep with his wife so that it looks like it's his child. But Uriah refuses because he's like, no, I need to be with my men. I'm, I'm part of God's army. He's a soldier. And he's like, I don't want to be sidetracked from my calling. So we see David, he doesn't fulfill his calling. Right? He doesn't fulfill his duty. Uriah does. Then, And, and even reminds David um, of his, he's like, no, I'm, I'm here um, to serve God. So reminding yourself of that duty. Um, state and stand your convictions. Uriah, you know, would state to um, David, like, no, I'm not going to do that, right? Um, I don't know if you... Oh, yeah. So he says in verse 11, he says, 
um, the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul lives, I will not do this thing. He is determined, right? So when you're facing addiction or when you're facing temptation, to be determined, determined in your heart, right? I'm not saying that it's only about willpower. I'm not saying that. We're talking about different steps. Part of it is saying not, oh, I, I hope I can get over this. Oh, you know, I'll just, I'll just drink a little bit, right? No, determining in your heart that I will not do this thing. It is harmful for me, right? And then be committed to obey God and to stick to your goals at all costs, no matter what happens. And what's sad is Uriah did that to all costs and it cost him his life. Yeah. And if you find that you've fallen into temptation, don't allow the enemy to whisper those lies that, and we've talked about the myths in the previous episode, oh, that, you know, you can't stop there or I already fell. So it's harmful. So I just keep doing it. You can still stop. You don't have to go into that downward spiral, that vicious cycle of addiction. Yeah. And I don't know if we want to talk about it now, or if we want to come back to it, but this story also highlights um, more so in chapter 12 of how you could be a friend to somebody who struggles with addiction. But, excuse me. Bless you. <laughs> um, so, Crystal, do you want to go to Joseph or do you want to just quickly just wrap up this story and talk just briefly? Because that's not the main focus of our, um, of our episode, but I do just want to highlight it because it does, I think the Bible is so comprehensive that it also talks about how we could be a friend to somebody struggling with addiction. Let's go into Joseph and then we can come back to that point. Okay. Okay. So we're going to be turning to Genesis chapter 39. And David was a highlight of what not to do. And we're going to see basically a complete flip, right? Contrast to that and seeing what to do through the life of Joseph. So think about all the things that David did and all the steps we've highlighted thus far, and those are just going to be reinforced in the story of Joseph, but by looking up what to do. Crystal, do you want to summarize for us Genesis chapter 39? Yeah, so briefly summarizing, Joseph, um, he is here as a slave in Egypt, and specifically he's in the home of his master, which is Potiphar, and he slowly builds the ladder. He starts off low I don't know to and then he gains the trust of his master Potiphar and as he's there working in the home his master Potiphar's wife is gives him the, the gives him the look gives him the eyes not just once but multiple times the bible says daily temptations right and then Joseph is is given an opportunity to respond mm-hmm. and we see that here his response is not alike to David's it's different than David's and Chris, so as we just quickly it's not a, a look she's asking for him to sleep with her right she del- she's deliberate about it very deliberate about it and so we 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 gave some context of looking into the story of David what not to do when it comes to temptation but through the story of Joseph we see based on his response and the choices that he made that this is a way to have some insight on how to respond to temptation that doesn't lead to an addiction. Yeah. So Chriselle, um, what we first highlighted with David were David's vulnerability factors. Now, what were Joseph's vulnerability factors? And we're not going to read all the verses, but basically verses one to six highlight different vulnerability factors. Do you have any in mind that come up? So um, one of the, you mentioned that he was a slave in Egypt, right? So um, one of the vulnerability factors is similar to David, he's all alone, but David was alone just in a moment, right? But with Joseph, he's all alone in a new country, right? New country, new culture, um, no family, no support, no friends, no spiritual support. That makes one per- a person very, very vulnerable because 
especially to sexual addiction and sexual temptation, because we talked about this, the root of addiction is lack of connection, right? So mm. he is lonely, right? And I could, you know, I could, when I talk to my clients, I have seen how when they come in with a lot of regret or guilt or shame because of a sexual addiction or even just a, a, a trauma, sexual trauma, it started with, I was all alone. I was, you know, away for work and, and they say, I know, I know I wouldn't have done it otherwise where they're in a state of complete vulnerability. So being alone um, and so all alone in a new country without family, friends, uh, spiritual community, what else? could In verse six, it specifies um, that Joseph was very attractive in form and appearance. And so, so I'm like, well, that's, is that a vulnerability factor? Well, I mean, he's an attraction for the opposite sex. So <laughs> I guess so. Yes. Yes. And we forget that Joseph is very young. So he's probably in his early 20s, which, so yes, physically he's attractive. But we also have to think about hormonally, right? He's early 20s. Hormones do play a factor. And it would be easy, right, being all alone, young guy attractive young guy with his hormones raging to just conceive mm -hmm. emotionally just to add some context if you don't know the story of joseph his mother had died and he was sold into slavery by his brother so he's coming from a lot of emotional struggles leading up to this point in his life so not only is he alone but he has had grief and loss that he's experienced um, can probably an element of confusion and then leading on to that an element of spiritual struggles maybe you know he's here in a heathen land he these people don't believe the way he believes they don't understand the way he believes the way he is and so he's alone spiritually in that aspect but we know ultimately he's not alone because God is with him and we see that throughout the story of Joseph um, but it's amazing how he has these vulnerability factors, Katie, but the way that he responds to this temptation is so encouraging and very empowering. Um, I don't know how else to put it, but let's see exactly what he says, right? So to summarize, he's vulnerable physically, sexually, emotionally. Um, and I wanted to comment on the emotional comment you mentioned, grief, anger towards his brothers, right? Um, sadness. Uh, maybe even anxiety of being in a, a slave and being in a new country. But the reason why I wanted to highlight that is a lot of times, and you see this with kids, um, sexual addiction or addictions can be a way to self-soothe. When you have such intense emotions, you don't know what to do with them. And so you have an escape, you turn to addiction. A lot of kids are addicted to porn. It's sad, the rates currently because they don't know how to soothe themselves. Their parents are not there for them in the way that they need. So for example, um, go to your room, right? And they don't soothe the kid and the kid goes to the room and finds pornography and tries to self-soothe. So I wanted to highlight that because if you're struggling with sexual addiction, you might be wondering whether your vulnerability factor might be intense emotions, not knowing how to manage those emotions, which you can go back to one of our episodes on depression, right? As well as anxiety of take a chill pill for their practical skills of how to deal with emotions. And we'll deal with emotions in future sessions as well. Yeah. So seeing exactly how Joseph responds, right? Uh, do we want to go into that or we want to continue our points in regards to how to overcome temptation? I think we should talk about how to overcome temptation. So like the first step of first being aware of how temptation works, because the more that we're aware, the more that we can prepare for it. So we see that in verses 7 to 12 in regards to how Potiphar's wife comes to him. And it says here in verse 7, she casts longing eyes on him. So she was flirting with him. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Like, hey, will Allah, you know, uh, made it pretty obvious that she was inviting him. And then not only did she do that with her, her, her body language, but she utilized her words. She says, 
lie with me. She was very straightforward. There was no question what she was asking for. Lie with me, right? Mm -hmm. And what comes next, Katie? In verse... Which verse hey, does he say, he say, well, she asked, right? She's inviting me. No, he refuses. Mm -hmm. and, and he says, look, mm -hmm. my master does not know what is with me in this house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. So it's interesting because when we looked at the story of David, he was not following through with his calling, with his purpose. But here, a way that Joseph combats the temptation is by re-emphasizing and focusing on the fact that no i'm here for a purpose i'm here as a servant to my master i'm not here to lie with you right yeah. so i think that's an interesting point one thing that we forget is in this comment about you know his master um potiphar is an officer of pharaoh right high mm -hmm. high status his wife therefore must have been super gorgeous, super beautiful. Some movies portray her as ugly and kind of like sly and sneaky. No, no, no. High status means this man married the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful women in the kingdom. So here this man is completely vulnerable, Joseph, young man, vulnerable. Now, oh, I'm getting this attention from Potiphar's wife, my master's wife. Some of you might be thinking right now, oh, that's happened to me, right? The moment that a guy looks at me or a girl looks at me, right? That's high status or that's beautiful or handsome, right? And or with pornography, for example, is, you know, it's kind of like this ability to have a fairy tale of seeing things that I wouldn't have otherwise yeah, seen. Fantasy. Fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a strong temptation here. And she is choosing him above all other, there are other slaves, but she's choosing him, but he doesn't give in. And it says that she spoke to him day by day, daily. I would be exhausted, right? And you might come to a point where, you know, you know, I just came, but I appreciate the Bible highlighting day by day because some of you say, oh, you know, I gave it to God. How come I'm still struggling with it? Just because you give it to God doesn't mean it poof gone. There's a temptation. But like we mentioned with David, temptation is not sin. You will be tempted, but it doesn't mean that you have to choose to fall and to relapse. So we see the vulnerability factors, right? That exposed him to being tempted, right? The setup for the temptation. We see the flattery, right? And then we also see here, persistence because he says no and, and we didn't really talk about what he said specifically in verse 9 when he says there's no greater in this house than I nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God so not only is he recognizing that this is wrong in the moral sense against his master but it's wrong against God like he takes it to the next level recognizing that the bigger picture here is it's wrong against God which I think sometimes it's important for us, not sometimes, all the time, let me correct that. It's important for us to, to really put things into perspective. It's not just harm against my family. It's not just harm against myself, but it's harm against God himself. And result, the opposite too, right? Because maybe some of you are watching and maybe you don't have a strong faith in God or you're not a believer, but just the first part is important. How could I do this great wickedness, period, right? Against yourself, if you look at the effects of sexual addiction on yourself, like it is self-abuse, right? Mm -hmm. Not only wickedness against yourself, but to those that you harm. So David harmed Bathsheba, Uriah, his children, his future children, because the different children of the stepchildren, the step-siblings fought and even killed each other and then raped, like one brother raped his sister, right? This wickedness then impacts recognizing the consequences beyond yourself, but also, like you mentioned, Chriselle, wickedness against God. Yeah. So there's that persistence from Potiphar's wife. He still doesn't give in, but do you think it ends there? No. There's a sudden ambush. Where is that found, Katie? Which verse? The sudden ambush. 
So verse 10 says, and so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day, as we mentioned, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. So this is an important step and maybe we'll come back to it, how he deals with it. So I'm just going to put that little pin in it and come back to it. But then it says when uh, verse 11, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, went there to work. And none of the men of the house was inside. So she made sure, right? Um, he's extra vulnerable. And just a quick comment on that. We can try to prevent as much as possible that's in our control. And sometimes things happen. Like he, you know, he recognizes vulnerability factors. He said no. Um, and it's best to not be in the presence alone, right? This is also an application of pornography, being alone in your room with the door closed. Um, but sometimes it's, you know, not as we plan. He didn't plan this. Verse 13, um, oh, verse 11. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. So she ambushed him. Yeah. But this is the exciting part, yourself. How, well, just to end the story there, you know, unfortunately, you know, she yells, she screams, she didn't get what she wanted. Then he's, you know, of course, falsely accused that he lied, um, he was with her and Joseph was put into prison. But then say in prison, by the way, if you don't know the story, God restores his position, but even more so. And I'm curious, look, yeah, look forward because it's amazing. Yes. <laughs> And so we see here how temptation worked in this particular passage and how Joseph responded in comparison to the way David responded. And we're going to compare that a little later as we wrap up our episode. But now the question is, okay, so recognizing through this story, through this passage, how do I deal with temptation? So number one, which parallels the story of David as well, focus on your calling. Joseph the first response was, okay, I'm here for the mission. I'm here as his servant. I'm here to work for him. I'm not here to lie with his wife. Mm -hmm. Right, Kitty? Yes, he was determined. Very determined. And then what would be the second step, Katie, in terms of how to overcome temptation, taking from the story? I think that goes along with being determined. Um, Joseph was determined to live a life of integrity. He was committed to a life of integrity. Um, even before the temptation came. So that's going to be really important to you. You have to think about, you know, if I'm struggling with substance use, for example, am I, is this an abstinent approach? Is this a harm reduction approach? Approach. You have to be determined at the outset, right? I'm determined not to look at any sites. I'm determined um, that I'm going to be PMO for 90 days, you know, pornography, masturbation, orgasm free for 90 days before I get into any relationship. I'm not going to even talk with girls, right? You have to be set before, because if you say, oh, well, yeah, I'm working on my sexual addiction, and then a girl comes along, you know, you have to be determined to live a life of integrity before temptation comes. And then, right, um, making sure that you're faithful in the small things that we think are small, but actually add up. And Kate, I know it's hard. And I say I know because we live in a society that is instant gratification, all about feel, feel, feel. How do you feel? Even there's this whole like craze when it comes to um, being foodies. Have you heard of that? Where people just, they eat so much different types of food because it's how they feel. They're not thinking about, is this making my body healthy? Is this going to give me the energy I need, the the focus that I need? So so oftentimes we don't see people living life of integrity. It's all about how do you feel? Does it make you feel good? But with integrity, there's a thought process that's involved. And so I'm super excited for the episode when we get into knowing how to manage your thought process and also balance that out with your emotions, because it's not just all your thoughts. Our emotions gives us some guidance as well, but sometimes the emotion can be misguiding if it's left alone, right? And if it's the only thing that is guiding. And so integrity is huge and we don't see it. We don't see it often today. 
And what follows that is the next step of stating your convictions, right? Um, and this is really important too in regards to like a practical step of accountability. When you state your convictions out loud, right? He said to her, he didn't just say, no, no, I'm okay. No, he stated his convictions. By stating your convictions and by telling a friend or you have a sense of accountability, right? Yeah. Um, both to God and to men. So, you know, when faced with temptation, you want to be direct and bold and state your conviction from the very beginning, right? As Joseph did. What about the next step, Chriselle? This one's really important. Very, very practical. Avoid, avoid, avoid. <laughs> now you're going to be like, avoid what? It says here, after your convictions are clear, there's no longer a need to state them, but rather take action and avoid all potential engagements. And so once you're aware that, okay, being in the house alone with someone else, such as Joseph, I'm not sure if he was aware or not, but she was aware possibly that there was no one else there, right? That could lead up to a potential falling into temptation, falling into an addiction. So avoid any possible awareness of what could be, what could lead you into your vulnerability factors. Mm -hmm. The Bible even has a verse um, that says, you know, avoid even the appearance of evil. The idea that don't get, don't flirt with temptation. Don't flirt with evil right? It's always going to win. And sometimes we are like, oh, I'm strong enough. I can be on my computer and, and I, well, I'll just look at some images. I'm strong enough. I could say no. I don't know how many clients have come into my room and like, they're like, you know, I, just, I started with this and I thought I was strong enough, but I caved, right? It's like, you know, do you have the donuts? In the cupboard, it's harder to not eat the donuts than if it's not there at all. Avoid. Yes, and I just want to add another another point is that I think as we talked about in our previous episode, before caffeine was you know not as readily acceptable, before pornography was looking at the, the angle of a woman, and now we see commercials, we see TV shows, we see avoid protect your mind. You may not be right now falling into a sexual addiction, but the enemy can place you in places and groom you to get to that point. And so protect your heart, protect your mind. Don't be ignorant. Be mindful that the enemy is like a roaring lion, as the Bible says, seeking to devour you and be mindful of that. So protect yourself. So Krisha, let's briefly talk about some practical practical steps that can be taken um, to avoid. Um, so for example, put restrictions like an internet filter restrictions on your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever device, right? That's a way to avoid, to ensure you're not just avoid, but I like maybe the word better to plan ahead, right? Okay, I wanna make sure that these are in place because temptation is stronger than myself. So I want to make sure that I'm, you know, working, they say don't work harder, work smarter, right? How do I plan ahead? So what are some other examples, Crusoe? Well, you can partner up with someone um, mm -hmm. or multiple people and just have them as your accountability partners and let them know, you know, oh, I struggle with this. Um, there's also another term that they use called book ending, meaning prior to having a social event and after social events, you touch base with that partner and you talk with them about what happened. And so, you know, oftentimes we, we kind of retreat and hide our sin, but this helps us not do that because <laughs> someone's there to check in on you. Yeah. Another example is um, to decide not to have your computer, your phone, your iPad in your bedroom, right? If you know, okay, I'm often alone in my bedroom, my door's closed. Um, you know, I had a client who would, would make sure that his door was open, no earphones, right? Because then if they're tempted to watch something or to hear something, then it's other people can hear in the house. Um, you might also only use technology in public places. And some people might say, oh, this is extreme. If you're struggling with addiction, you know, you know that you have to take extreme steps because it's so easy to fall. 
right? He had to take extreme steps. Joseph did, right? He, he made sure and he was daily pestered. So you have to make sure to take those steps. So internet filters, accountability, um, making sure that, you know, you're not maybe using in your bedroom or other places that you typically find yourself, um, getting rid of earphones, anything else, Chriselle, some practical tips, whether you've heard that you've given your clients or that your clients have shared with you. Uh, I just, I, I like awareness. I think people probably pick up on that, <laughs> but be aware that uh, typically sexual addictions are triggered by an emotional state of need for something. And so if you're just currently gone through some element of loss or grief that's triggered intense emotion, you're vulnerable in that moment and, and be mindful of it and accept it and keep yourself Take the precautions to protect yourself. Yeah. Some people, you know, I like this when they say, you know, make viewing pornography or masturbating or any sort of sexual addiction, make it inconvenient, right? Mm. Make it as hard as possible. The way that addiction works is addiction is um, fed by impulsivity. I have an urge. I fulfill that urge, right? I, I need it. So if I make it so hard, right, if I have to put in a passcode, if I have to, you know, try to unlock several things, if I have to go ask, let's say I get rid of my computer, there's some people that get rid of their technology. If I have to go to a public place, I have to drive, go, if I have to ask a friend to use their computer, that the urge slowly subsides. So um, we talk about when it comes to addiction. I don't know if I mentioned this in a prior episode to surf the urge that I mentioned this. Mm-mm. No. So any sort of addiction, um, an urge comes and we want to immediately act on that urge. But we talk about this mostly in substance use, but it applies to any addiction and even emotions is when we have an urge, it's like a wave. Oh, that's a big, tall wave. But what happens to a wave yourself? It usually comes back down. It comes down. So what we say is surf the urge. Write it out. Just wait. And they say typically within 15 minutes, it'll go down. So if I have the urge to watch pornography, what can I do for 15 minutes or longer, right? Or shorter, depending on how long your urge lasts. Can I call a friend? Can I, you know, uh, go out and exercise? Can I, you know, uh, go and, you know, see a friend? Whatever it may be, right? But surf the urge. Purcell, I know we're running out of time. And so let's quickly um, cover the last step here. Step five, flee, right? Not just avoid, not, not just stay in a void, but there are some times where you need to take off running. Yeah. So don't entertain, entertain temptation. Don't allow the windows of opportunity to be opened. Yeah. So, Crystal, let's quickly compare and contrast um, David and, as a summary, David and Joseph. So mm-hmm. Joseph is young in his 20s. David mm-hmm. is older. He's about in his 50s, 50s, right? This, these stories are basically trying to say it's applicable to everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And you might even think, well, not necessarily so, but it's applicable, applicable to everyone. What else? Joseph was single at this point in his life and David was married. Mm-hmm. Joseph was a slave to the bottom, was- whereas David was a king. He was at the top of his whole kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of that calling, which it's interesting because it kind of starts off both of the, of the passages, Joseph, he fulfilled his calling. He was mindful of his calling. He did not stay idle. He kept himself productive and busy. David, on the other end, didn't fulfill his calling. He's supposed to go out with his soldiers, but he stayed home and he stayed idle. What's next, Katie? So what's interesting about temptation is different every time, right? And so you have to be prepared. For Joseph, the woman pursued him. And you would almost think that Joseph would, would have fallen more quickly and more easily or fallen at all because the woman pursued him. Now, 
David, he pursued the woman. So we see this contrast here and both, right, we have to be prepared for. Do you have a comment? Yeah, no, the next point is that you would think, okay, well, Joseph had it daily. Oh, he probably didn't, wasn't able to overcome it versus David. Well, he had his one moment that led into other moments, right? But he had that one crucial moment, but David fell, Joseph didn't. Yes. What's interesting now is that both had consequences, but it's kind of flipped, right? So Joseph had immediate bad consequences of he, he went to prison for saying no, right? The long term, there are good consequences. When you say no, maybe you don't, maybe you don't meet that urge, or maybe you don't have that pleasure in the moment. But what are the long term benefits? And we see that for Joseph, he had a clear conscience. That's one of the best things you could have clear conscience, no guilt, no shame. He later married. So the importance of sexual purity, it's a gift that you give to your spouse, right? And that could be, and I don't mean sexual purity of, oh, I never, ever sinned, but it's also recommitting that purity, right? Mm. He then also had children. He later then fulfilled a greater calling of saving the entire kingdom, right? And compared now to David, David had the immediate good pleasure, right? He even stayed in his palace, not like Joseph, where he was sent to prison. He stayed. There was, there was no, he got the woman. He kept the status. He was good. But Nathan comes, the prophet comes and they're like, I, you, you're not guilt-free, right? Long-term consequences, guilty conscience for the rest of his life. There's a book called Patriarchs and Prophets, or no, Prophets and Kings. I forgot which one it's in. But um, that talks about how this sin not only impacted him, but the whole, the whole entire kingdom. And that forever he, he lived with his guilty conscience. The baby died as well. We mentioned these things as well. His daughter got raped. There was constant tension. Later on, his own very son tries to kill him, sleeps with all of his wives and concubines or more concubines. And we just see this constant um, ruin of his life. And sadly, Joseph being victorious in God's eyes and David being disappointing, right? Mm -hmm. Wow. So if someone is struggling, which we all have that vulnerability factor, right? Because we live in a sinful world. So that in itself is a vulnerability factor. If you're struggling with temptation that leads up to addiction, see these stories, you know, Will you be victorious in God's eyes or will the outcome be disappointing in God's eyes? That is up to us, right? We have that choice and it's important for us to be mindful of that process that occurs that leads up to that addiction because we don't just open our eyes and then we're addicted. Oops, surprise, right? Um, there's steps that lead into it. Was there something you wanted to say, Katie? Yes, in regards to disappointing in God's eyes, God understands um, that we're human, right? God understands that we fall. One of my favorite verses and the one, one that I use for my clients is Proverbs 24, 16. It says, the righteous man falls seven times. The wicked once by their calamity. And at first you struggle, right, with that verse of, and, and in our personal lives. God, why? Right? If I'm the righteous person, why? If I trust in you, if I lean on you. Why am I falling? You could be like David. David, yes, he fell. But one of the things we didn't highlight is it says that David was a man after God's own heart. That God, and, and um, David writes beautiful Psalms about repentance afterwards. He says, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, right? He asked for forgiveness and he was forgiven. So in, essentially, both of them were victorious in God's eyes. Because why does a righteous man fall seven times? Because he gets back up. When you struggle, you, you, you may fall, right? You may fall, but get back up. Temptation is not sin. Say no when you can prevent by knowing your vulnerability factors. But if you do fall, get back up. The wicked does not only falls once because they don't get back up. Get back up. 
and God is forgiving. God is a God full of grace and compassion, and he will help you to be victorious. Amen, amen. And, and one thing that we have not mentioned um, is the power of prayer. You know, through every struggle, through everything you go through, lift up your petitions to God and God will be there for you. He, there's nothing you can do in this life that will make God love you any less, but he respects our choice. And so we need to be mindful of the choices that we make, right? I love First uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And it's important for us to recognize this when it comes to temptation. It says here, he will not allow for you to be tempted more than you are able to bear. And if you're not able to bear it, he will also make a way of escape. We saw in the story, both of them had the opportunities to escape, but they made that choice. Well, David made that choice to follow through. Joseph didn't. And so I thank God for being a God that is consistently there for us. He's always faithful. But the question is, how are we choosing to respond to his faithfulness? Yeah. And Grisel, you mentioned prayer. Prayer is opening our heart to God, right? Talking to God. Now, one of the best mental health manuals, treatment manuals that you can have to help with addiction is reading God's word. Verses like the one Grisel just read, right? No temptation has overtaken you. That which is not common to men. But God is faithful to provide you a way of escape. Righteous man falls seven times, right? You know, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Right? All these verses can be used to help you, give you the ability to overcome temptation. And not just these verses, but passages and stories like the ones we just read. They're written for us. Oh, how do I ensure that I'm not like David? How do I ensure that I'm like Joseph, right? And so we encourage you to read, to pray, and to use these practical steps to be able to overcome. So I just want to say at this moment, if you're watching this and you are stuck in an addiction, um, and we're talking about that moment of escape, maybe this is that moment for you. God has brought this awareness to your life that you were not aware of before. And so I want to take this moment. I'm going to ask Katie if she can pray for you at this particular time that God may utilize this moment as that moment of escape and give you the strength that you need to overcome this addiction. Because remember, that strength is not in you, but in him. And he could give that to you. So can you pray, Katie? Okay. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, we just want to thank you so much for these two passages. And we know there are more in your word that you have purposed to include in order to be an encouragement to us. First, as an encouragement to recognize, wow, we all fall. We all struggle. We are like that righteous man that's falling down again and again. But Lord, you want us to not fall as much or to get up more quickly. And through these stories, we can learn what steps to be taken. So Lord, I pray that um, those that are watching this may be able to take those steps. Lord, I pray that they may um, recognize um, their choice in, and to be able to overcome, um, especially God, by choosing you. We know that you are with us, that you are there for us, and that your power can be given to us to overcome. And Lord, we pray that um, those that are struggling with addiction, whether sexual addiction or other forms of addiction, I pray, God, that they may not be hopeless, but today that they could have hope in you, that you can make them victorious. The same way Joseph was victorious, maybe not immediately and sometimes the consequences that we see, but Lord, ultimately, um, we want to have this life of being able to um, have family, have connection, have purpose and meaning. Lord, I pray that um, those listening today can find that purpose and meaning in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before we completely end our episode today, we want to leave you with your truth prescription. We can't end without that truth prescription. So Katie, what is that truth prescription that we have for them today? Yeah, so one of the key things that's important for you to overcome addiction is to identify your vulnerability factors, your triggers for addiction, 
your triggers for relapse, what makes you vulnerable. Maybe you're like Joseph and that you're young and you have a lot of hormones, or maybe you're like David where you are not fulfilling your purpose and your calling, right? Reflect on your vulnerability factors and take steps like Joseph. He's like, I'm, you know, I have these vulnerability factors. I'm going to make sure that I'm not alone. Or I'm going to flee. Or I'm going to avoid. And then the second one, explore and identify your purpose. Because one of the, the essence to the stories we read was that David didn't feel that, fulfill that purpose. And Joseph did. And so explore and identify your purpose. And I just want to mention, because some people hear purpose and like, well, I don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life. Purpose can also mean, what am I going to do today? What am I purposing myself to do today? What is my purpose just for today or even just for this moment? And then, of course, turn to God to have the ultimate victory. So there, there you have it, your truth prescription. And thank you once again for joining us. Remember, you are not alone. You can be victorious with God's help. We'll see you in two weeks. And don't forget to take your daily prescription of the truth. Why, Katie? Because if you know the truth, the truth sets you free, even from the chains of addiction. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.